Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you have a Bible close by, you can turn to Colossians chapter 3, and we'll begin our reading in verse 1, Colossians 3, 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Hey, well, good morning. Hey, that biscuit was good. I'll tell you, it was like a mouthful of butter. Elizabeth, who made those? She made those? Wow, train your children up in the way they should cook. Man, there's all kinds of application here, isn't there? It is good. Well, hey, listen, we are continuing in our uh, Lenten series called Spiritual Apparel, um, Choosing God's Designer Label. And we've been looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 uh, through 14. I just had my Bible rebound, and so I'm trying to get it back to... There you go. Stay. All right. So I want to start with a story. Um, Lori and I were at Costco. Uh, It was a busy Saturday. And uh, you ever get lost while you're at Costco? You're, you're there uh, with a spouse or one of your children, and uh, all of a sudden, they just disappear. And so the first thing I do is I go to all the sample tables, <laughs> all right, thinking maybe Lori's there, uh, sampling good stuff. Uh, and then I think, okay, what was on our list of things to buy? Uh, and, and then uh, to go to those places and then invariably we run into people like yesterday we were there, we ran into the porters. It was great seeing you guys at Costco. 
We spent more time with you at Costco than we have probably in the last two months. Isn't that something? We had a great conversation. So we get sidetracked. Uh, and you're looking for, in this case, I was looking for Lori. And uh, I came to the, the section. Uh, this, this, is, this is a tough day here. I came to the section uh, where the vitamins and, and all those good things are. And I knew we needed of some vitamin C, and we needed vitamin D, we needed uh, all, all the good stuff, CoQ10, you know, good heart health, all the vitamins that we take. And uh, I'm looking for Lori, and finally I spotted her, but not where I expected. There she was, standing in front of the shelf, right in front of a product called Gas-X. <laughs> I go, that wasn't on the list. Was that for me or for her? And so I, I go walking up to her, and I say, Hey, honey, you're not that bad. We don't need this. And this lady turns around. And it's not Lori. <laughs> I, you can imagine how I felt. I, I just said, I am so sorry. <laughs> really, you don't need that. <laughs> and I just, if I could shrink and, and go off into a corner and disappear somewhere, that's exactly what I wanted to do. That's a, that is a true story. But what it reminds me of is that when it comes to living our Christian life, how important it is, I know. By the way, honey, it, it, it isn't that bad. Um, <laughs> that's why we have a dog. Um, seriously, though, when it comes to living our Christian life, okay, it's important that we get it right. It's important that as we're followers of Jesus, that we are in alignment uh, with the Word of God. You might recall last week, uh, I referred to a, a passage uh, out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. Let me read that to you. Let me give you the context here. Paul is writing uh, to his understudy, Timothy. Timothy is uh, a pastor, an evangelist in Ephesus. Now, how that relates to Colossians is that Colossians and Ephesus, Colossae and Ephesus, were very close to one another. They're in the same region, Okay. And so as Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, he's giving him this admonition, uh, the same would be true of believers in that area, and the same would be true of those that are followers of Jesus in, in the town of Colossae, because some of the challenges, some of the false teaching uh, that they were facing were the same. They were regional, okay? And this is what he writes. He says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Okay? They have an itch. They have a desire. They gather around themselves teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. They will help them rationalize or justify their chosen lifestyle or beliefs. They will turn 
their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Now, the, the church at Colossae, when Paul is writing his letter to the Colossians, they too are struggling with false teaching. In fact, there was a Colossian heresy. And uh, to just kind of distill it down, one, there was, in, there was a teaching that was false teaching about the person and nature of Jesus Christ. One, they were denying Jesus' deity. And two, they were denying His humanity, these false teachers. In addition to that, they had concocted a, a form of Christianity that included um, Jewish uh, dietary restriction and law and, and, and other um, forms of the law that, that people were encouraged to follow. And, and this was teaching that Paul is writing to Colossians saying, hey, wait a minute. Um, this is not the true gospel. Uh, this is not what you've learned or heard. This, in fact, is not true about Jesus. Jesus is God. Uh, he is God incarnate. Jesus did come in the flesh. Okay? And all these laws are unnecessary because Jesus Himself is the fulfillment of all that the laws and the prophets taught. Okay? And so Paul is reminding the church at Colossae, the Colossians, about these things. And as we get into Colossians chapter 3 and we talk about uh, the theme of our, of our study, a spiritual apparel, choosing God's designer label, Paul is reminding them of three things. In Colossians 3, 1-4, you've risen with Christ, your life is hidden with Christ, and when Christ returns your life in Him will be revealed for all to see in its fullness and its completeness. The work of sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life will be complete. And when Jesus comes, you will come. You will be revealed with Him. And people will see you in the fullness of God's glory. He's reminding them of that. And what he says is, now in light of this, you are these things positionally. This is true of who you are in Christ. Now live into that. Practically live out the reality of those truths. That's what he's saying here in Colossians chapter 3. And you might recall last week, as we get into 5 through 8, he says, put to death. Now he's going to say, put to death your, your old way of life, the way of life corrupted by sin. The way of life that, that has been distorted as a result of the fall. And of course, we remember our, our grand biblical narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And, and we are living now in a time that's between redemption and restoration. It's, it's this time of waiting for Christ's return when His work of redemption will be complete in the restoration of all that was tarnished when sin entered the world. And so Paul is saying, put to death the old way of life. You're not bound to sin anymore. You're not in bondage to sin anymore. 
You don't have to live the way you used to. You're a new creation in Christ. Put to death. And remember last week, I, I alluded to that expression in the, in the Greek, in the original language. I mean, it is put to death. Kill it. Do not resuscitate it. Make sure that it doesn't come alive again in you. Right? That's what he's saying. He goes, put to death, verse 5, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And you might recall last week, what he's going to do is he's going to present two types of vices. One, sexual vices. The second that he's going to go on to explain are vices that stem from anger that tend to be verbal vices, things we do when we're angry with one another. And then he goes on to say this. He says, put these things to death. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Okay? Then we get into verse 9. Do not lie to each other. Now, isn't that interesting? He goes through these two lists of vices, right? Sexual vices, verbal vices stemming from anger. But then, he singles out one kind of vice. In addition to those that he's already listed, he says, and do not lie to one another. Proverbs 12.22 The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy. The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy. In the body of Christ... Trustworthiness is essential. Truthfulness is essential. Truthfulness not only in what we believe and how we believe we should live, but truthfulness as we relate to one another in relationship. There are few things as divisive in the body of Christ as when we lie to each other and about each other. Okay? divisive. Where does it come from? John 8.44 Jesus is talking about the devil. And He says this, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in Him. When He lies, He speaks His native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And so the theme in Colossians chapter 3 is we're to put off the old self, right, which is distorted, marred, corrupted by sin, and we're to put on the new self, which literally is we're to clothe ourselves in the very character, nature, and virtue of Christ. Now, we can't do that on our own. That's something that happens as a result of Christ's life in us. And so what Paul is saying is, live into that. 
Submit daily to the Holy Spirit in your life. Allow God to manifest in you and through you what you can't do on your own. Live into the truth of who you are. Don't imitate the one who is the father of lies, the devil. He is a liar from the beginning. And when we lie to one another, when we lie about one another, we're really not imitating Christ, but who are we imitating? We're imitating Satan, the devil. James chapter 3, verses 9 through 10 says this. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings, whom have been made in the God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come both praise and cursing. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. And then in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, by the way, you'll find most of the content of uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, you'll find it in his letter to the Ephesians. Very similar. Why? Because those two churches are, are facing very similar issues because they're very close regionally to one another. But in Paul's letter to the, uh, to the Ephesians, he writes this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. The truth, truthfulness, speaking truthfulness to one another is essential to unity in the body of Christ. Do you know that? And it's so important that in this list of things that Paul is saying that we should put off, he reserves a special place just for this one issue, for this one vice of lying, lying to each other. But let's read on. He says, Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. This is interesting. Which is being renewed in the knowledge excuse me, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Okay? The new self is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its Creator. There again, we're looking that day by day, our life with Christ, a life surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit, we are being renewed daily, and that our lives would literally reflect the image of of Christ. That, that we become Christ-like. And that Christ-likeness is the result of the ongoing work, sanctification, the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so he's reminding him of these things. I love the way Peter says it. 1 Peter 1, 14-16. He says, As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words, hey, don't conform to the old ways of living when you didn't know any better. You know better now. And you have a choice to live into the truth that you've risen with Christ. 
Your life is hidden with Christ. And your life will be revealed with Christ. That you are a new creation. And that the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in you. Live in submission to the Spirit. Live into the truth and the reality of who God has created you to be in Christ Jesus. That's what he's saying. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, now he's quoting Leviticus 11.44. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And what it's really speaking of here is that we become imitators. That our lives take on the divine nature of God our Creator and of Christ our Savior. And that in the way we live, our character, our nature, our virtue reflects the reality of who God is. Of who He revealed Himself to be in Jesus Christ. And that our lives should reflect that nature. It's as if you're looking at a parent and someone says, you look just like your father. You look just like him. And that's what Peter's saying. That people should look at us and say, you look just like your father. You look just like Jesus as we live. Putting on the new self. Clothing ourselves in Christ Jesus. Now, we come to the conclusion of of the passage we're looking at today. In Verse 11, he says, Here there, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, for those of you that want to know what a Scythian is, they're a nomadic tribe of people uh, from north, the region north of the Black Sea. And, and they were considered um, to be the barbarians' barbarian. Okay? Uh, they had a very rough reputation. Um, but the point here that Paul is, is making, there, there must have been those of Scythian descent in the Colossian church. Okay? And so he's making reference to the Scythians um, to remind those of Scythian descent as well as everyone else he lists here, that their identity is to be in Christ, in Christ alone. That in the end, Christ is uh, in all, and is, Christ is all and is in all. Okay? So there is a unity that comes from our life in Christ. Remember two weeks ago we talked about in Christ alone? The life that we now live, we live in Christ. And and Christ is our identity. And we talked about how we live in a world and in a, a society and a culture where people choose to identify with a lot of things. But as Christians, the Bible clearly calls you and I to identify with one thing our primary identity. And that is 
who we are in Christ Jesus. And the fact that we have been united with Christ in His death and His resurrection, that this union of Christ binds us to one another. That we have that in common. Okay? That's what he's saying here. Now, there are a lot of things that, that threaten our, our unity. Okay? Things that, 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 that get in between us and, and, and threaten to separate us. And what I want to do here in just these last couple of minutes is I want to talk about one of those things. I think it's important. Um, Lori and I were at a church in the Deep South that was an African-American church. And we were there with a handful of church volunteers from a suburban uh, white church from Sacramento, California. And we were invited to go there and to serve with that church. And we attended their morning chapel that was for the employees of the ministry that uh, came out of this church. It's called Hall Ministries. was helped, founded, and started by a man named John Perkins. Okay? And we were there, and uh, we were listening to the devotion, and the pastor got up and said, Now, there is nothing more divisive in the body of Christ, this is what the pastor said, than when we politicize the gospel. Then we identify with being either a Republican or a Democrat rather than with Christ. And he was really cautioning his congregation not to identify with their political affiliation or beliefs, but to be unified around the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he said, when we politicize the gospel, it reduces it to nothing more than just another special interest group. Don't do that. And then he said these words. Laura, you remember it? I'll never forget it. And he goes, and besides, brothers and sisters, never forget this. There are Republicans who are Christ followers. Right? Now, we could have been back in our home church in Sacramento, and the pastor there might have said, and... Don't forget, there are Democrats who are followers of Christ Jesus. Right? So it has to do with the context, the culture, where you're at. But the truth is the same. Whether you're in Mendenhall, Mississippi, whether you are in Sacramento, California, or you're in Eagle River, Alaska. Their identity is in Christ. And we are not to allow other things to separate us, to get in the way. Now, there is a very, very controversial uh, ballot measure. It's coming up in the election. Right? You know, it, it's, it's Proposition 1. And it has to do with modifying the Anchorage Ordinance 96 in 2015, the anti-discrimination ordinance, was extended to include sexual preference and gender identity. And when it comes to the issue of gender identity, um, which bathrooms can a person who identifies as a transsexual use? 
public bathrooms, public locker rooms, showers? Is there a distinction? How do we understand and define gender? And then how do we accommodate those who have chosen a particular gender that's different from their biological sex? And so this is a hot issue. It's a hot topic right now. And uh, the ballot initiative uh, attempts to kind of step it back a little bit and say, you know, you use the bathroom that has to do with your actual biological gender at birth. And that's, that's, that's the tension right now. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. That's not my job to do that. But as a pastor, I want to encourage you to engage. You need to engage culture as a Christian. But as you engage culture, you need to do so and be biblically informed. So that your engagement reflects and represents a Christian biblical worldview of the issue that you're engaging in. Does that make sense? That's really important that we're informed that way. Now, what is a worldview? A worldview is what helps us make sense of the world that we live in. Right? Who am I? How did I get here? What's my purpose? What's gone wrong out here? How can it be fixed? What happens after I die? Those are all important questions that a worldview seeks to answer, okay? And the Bible presents a very specific worldview that seeks to give us guidance in answering those questions, but also informing how we live our lives. And, by the way, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or uh, not declared, how you, as a follower of Jesus, are to engage culture. It informs us in that. So, my job as a pastor uh, is, is not to say you should vote this way or you should be on this side or that side of an issue. My job as a pastor is to say, what does Scripture say? Take that in consideration as you engage culture. Does that make sense? Somebody asked me recently, what does the Bible say about gender and gender identity? What does it say? I came across a quote from a Christian. Um, he's a, a scholar, a writer, uh, a commentator on culture. His name's John Stone Street. He's on the radio almost daily, okay, with something called Breakpoint, if you listen to the radio. And in one of his writings, he succinctly attempts to define for us the answer to that question in what's called the wonder of God's design. And so I'm going to read for you what Stone Street says about gender from a biblical worldview. He says, God speaks directly and explicitly about gender in the creation account. Male and female, God created them. Genesis 1.27 God didn't make gender-neutral humans. Gender isn't a social construct nor is it a sign. It's part of God's design, deeply grounded in His created order and woven into the fabric of reality. Thus, gender is a gift from God. 
Gender is a gift from God. The distinction between male and female does nothing to undermine the value and dignity of either. Both are made in the image of God. That's the Imago Dei. That's the Latin for the image of God. That we are image bearers. Male and female, we bear the image of God. And our equality is secured by that fact alone. That every life and every person has value and dignity by virtue of the fact that they are an image bearer. No distinction, ethnicity, gender, age, sex, threatens the equality of human beings. All are image bearers. All have equal, and this is a hard word, inestimable, (laughs) you can't estimate their worth in the sight of God. Okay? That is a very succinct, but I believe, biblical statement of a Christian worldview of gender, of male and femaleness. It's not a social contract, and it's not assigned, and it can't be unassigned. It is a gift from God, and it is central to God's created order. So as Christians, as we engage, we need to remember this, and this needs to inform how we engage. Now, I want to close with one thing. Regardless of where you are on the issue, we don't get to agree with everyone. We don't get to agree with everyone in here. But you know what the Scripture says? We get to love everyone. And we're not talking about issues. We're talking about people. Real lives that matter. And your allegiance to a political party or your political values or beliefs should never, ever, ever supersede God's call for us to be a community that's identified by our love for one another and our willingness to love and self-sacrifice for the sake of others, even as Jesus did for us. Amen? We are to be unified in love and not to allow politics or anything else to get in between and to divide us. In closing, Jesus spoke about unity in the church. And this is what he said in his high priestly prayer in John 17, verses 22 through 23. Jesus says this. Now, he's praying for all those who will come to faith through the message of the gospel. He's praying here for you and me. This is what he says. Speaking to the Father, he prays, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. 
Thank You that Your Word is true. That Your Word informs and strengthens and empowers and guides us in how we live our lives and how we engage culture. Father, we pray that above anything else, uh, beyond our differences of opinions, uh, beyond the, the political issues of the day, Father, that there would be nothing that would come between us and the unity that we have as a result of being united with Christ. Father, as we read Your Word and as we go out into the world in Jesus' name, help us, Father, to represent a worldview that is informed by Your Word. A worldview that is anchored and demonstrated through the love and the life of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we ask these things in His name. Amen.